Hello. We are so glad that you could join us today. Our prayer is that as you listen to the word, you would take this time to draw nearer to God as an individual and as a family. God loves you so so much, and his desire is for you to get closer to him in this season through worship, through dwelling in his word and prayer. Well, it's always a privilege to present the gospel of Jesus Christ at any given opportunity. And I don't take it lightly to be able to stand before you and bring the good news of the kingdom of God. Today, I'm closing out a series that we've been doing on piercing the darkness. Uh, for the last few weeks and throughout our action conference, we've talked about piercing the darkness and some of the things that we need to face in terms of the darkness that's upon this earth, the darkness that's upon the people. And uh, the Bible says that uh, in Isaiah, we've used this as a key text, that uh, darkness is upon the earth, upon the people, and gross darkness upon the people. But in that kind of a condition, God says he would do something. Arise, shine, for his light would come, and the glory of the Lord would rise upon us. But sometimes we get this idea that that's just fait accompli. It's just going to happen uh, somehow. Well, God's going to do that. Uh, I, I want to talk about in this final message some things that are really important to understanding how that light penetrates the darkness. First of all, I'd like to look at the book of Psalms, the 119th uh, Psalm, uh, the 105th verse. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A few verses later in, in, in verse 130, it says, The entrance of thy words give light. It giveth understanding to the simple. See, God's Word works both physically in our lives to light our path, and it works spiritually to grant us understanding and wisdom of difficult times and situations. We're facing those situations right now. We are faced with a degree of darkness in the constructs of our society that I don't believe has been seen in our lifetime. Uh, I have taught from this pulpit many times, and I have warned as many as would hear me, that unless we set our hearts to understanding, even the very elect of God shall be deceived. There has been such a display of lies, disinformation, and misinformation perpetrated against mankind that now it's hard to believe any government official, any agency, you know, most of the agencies that we used to rely on as being truthful, things that we used to call science, you know, we, we, we can't trust it anymore because it's been politicized. Uh, even social bodies, including the church, have fallen into varying degrees of compromise. What I am describing is a darkness, a darkness that can terrify a person's soul. As I close out this series on piercing the darkness, I want to focus on the power of the Word of God. And I'd like to look at the passage of Scripture in 2 Peter, uh, where we're told how the influence of God's Word can uh, be used in our lives. Uh, the Apostle Peter had an encounter with God. And, and if we study this, you're going to see something amazing that comes out of this passage of Scripture. I, I love this passage of Scripture because... It really shows how God got a hold of this fisherman, Peter. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 19, it says, For we have not followed 
cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto you do well to take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn, until the day star arises in your hearts. This, this is a very powerful, powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. And, uh, you know, my, my question is this. Why would Peter say we did not follow cleverly invented stories in verse 16? And then why would he go on to say this? And you will do well to pay attention. Pay attention. Could it be that there was a time in Peter's life when he didn't think much of the scriptures, uh, that he didn't really think they were that important or really didn't have much, they didn't really have much of an effect on his life? I mean, the stories out of the Old Testament were interesting, but how would he know if they were true or not? I mean, before Peter meets Jesus, he would have been a religious enough man, but uh, stories like passing through the Red Sea, that was history for the Jewish people, or Jericho falling before the Israelites under the leadership of Joshua, or, or Jonah being swallowed by a great whale, along with all the other stories of the Bible, for a guy like Peter, that may have sounded like a bit of a fairy, fairy tale to him. See, Peter was a rough, hard-working fisherman, and uh, he didn't need pleasant distractions. But then something incredible happens. Peter meets this rabbi, Jesus, and everything begins to change. Jesus taught like no one he'd ever heard before or listened to. He fed thousands with a little boy's lunch, and he healed the sick, and he raised the dead, and he made the blind to see. Jesus was able to make the most hardened fisherman do an about turn and begin to take notice. There was one pivotal moment in Peter's life. Jesus got Peter's attention in such a way that this event became, if not the most defining moment in his life, at least one of them. And, and I want to just say this, you know, Peter had many defining moments in his life. It was Peter who, you know, uh, was rambunctious. I mean, you know, I always used to say of Peter that he only opened his mouth fast enough to remove one foot and put another one back in. I mean, this guy just was incredible how he could just, he was all in. And uh, he denied Jesus publicly. He, I mean, that was a defining moment in his life. If you, if you study his life. But this moment that I'm going to talk about this morning is, to me, something that left an indelible mark in Peter's life because he talks about it in the book of Peter. Jesus calls James and John and Peter to follow him and to ascend the mountain and pray. In Luke 9, verses 29 through 36, the Bible says, and As Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, 
talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving, Jesus, Peter said to them, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying, the Bible says. <laughs> While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid, and they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. This is a phenomenal story. I don't care how you cut it. Uh, I don't know if I would be any different than Peter. You know, let's build something. You know, this is awesome. You know, there's, this is incredible. Because I don't know what to say, you just say something. You know, and, and, but Peter, something happened to him. Second Peter depicts the apostle's life-changing event. He, he, he dissects it here. This must be many, 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 many years later. Listen carefully. I think you can sense that this was a major event in his life. If you read between the lines, it seems like Peter implies that before this stunning event, Scripture may have had little impact on his life. But now, Peter was convinced that the Old Testament was not a bunch of stories or fables. In fact, 2 Peter 1.19 says, We have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You see, Peter just said something about we have a more sure word of prophecy. He just heard the voice of God. That's the most powerful word of prophecy, right? He says, no. There's a more sure word of prophecy than even the voice of God. He says, it's the scriptures. It's the word of God itself. It's very important we understand something here. Peter had such a revelation of this that he says, we must pay attention. Pay attention. Why? Why should we pay attention to the scripture? Peter says, it is because the Bible is like a light shining in a dark place. What does Peter mean by that? Well, he's fully aware how, of how dark this world really is. And he realizes that the only hope to deliver mankind from the darkness is the light of the Word of God. I, I think we hear the Apostle Paul echoing this in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians 4, uh, verses 17 through 21, it says, I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth 
that is in Jesus. You see, like the Apostle Peter, we see that the Apostle Paul is acknowledging the same thing that Peter is addressing. He says, we're surrounded by people that have been darkened in their understanding on a continual basis. You know, we can lament the same thing in our own world. If we look at the degradation of what is now called entertainment, whether on television or the movies or the music industry or even the professional sporting arena, we can see that it has become blatantly darkened, if not outright satanic. In the United States of America, there's a company, it's called Clean Flicks. Uh, for a fee, this company would take any movie that you had purchased and edit out all the foul, long, foul language, the nudity, uh, in anything that was offensive, uh, and pretty much to a Christian standard. But crazily, Hollywood is suing this company. Why? Because they don't like being censored, and they're offended at this affront to their artistic liberties. <laughs> in reality, these people are so darkened, Hollywood is so darkened in their understanding, and separated from the life of God, that they become hardened, they become proud. Uh, they're part of this new cancel culture, they're part of this, uh, you know, I, whole idea around uh, critical race theory and, and, you know, wokeness and, you know, transgenderism and, and all these things that are just so contrary to the truth, so contrary to the light. But they become darkened, proud. And these are the people who are supplying the entertainment to our friends, to our children, even to ourselves. Hollywood is pushing and selling us all kinds of impurity, all kinds of immorality. And there's no boundaries anymore on content. I mean, it's just gone out of control. They're even pushing this in Zimbabwe, in our school curriculum. We're being told that our children have to accept the fact that transgenderism, that there are more than two genders. There are more than two genders. There is male and female. God created them male and female. Now, you can have any amount of genders as you want if you start breaking the rules. And you start making things up. But science doesn't prove that. Every scientist, every person that's a true scientific study will tell you there's a Y and an X chromosome. Now, there may be a few little things, you know, hermaphrodites and things like that. We can't explain. But I'll tell you, that's really the exception to the rule. It is not the rule. And so I think we have to be very, very careful. Understand, we live in a very darkened, darkened age. We can bring pornography or violence into our homes just for a few dollars these days. And uh, we are seeing the airways being polluted. And if we're not careful, in time we will allow ourselves to indulge on their darkened material. And we might find that the world's malignant voices might even influence how you and I think and how we act. How can we avoid being influenced by a, a world that is so corrupted? Well, Peter tells us. Here in 2 Peter 1.19, he says, We have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. 
As I said earlier, the Word of God is a lamp to guide us through this dark world. And it is illumination to our souls to keep our ways holy and pure. I love Psalm 119 or 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But the Bible, you have to understand, is more than just some words. It, it, it is actually the very source of life, light, and liberty. And it becomes our moral compass. It becomes our instruction manual, our map. It's the blueprint to guide us on our way in a lost and confusing world. So what, what keeps us from paying attention to the more sure word of prophecy? In Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What was Jesus saying? Well, he was saying that there are many distractions in this world. But the one thing that will make the most difference in Mary's life, in your life, my life, is to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn from him. He's saying, take every opportunity you can to hear from his word. For you and I, that's the Bible. The Bible says in John, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Well, we understand that. Uh, now, obviously, today, as a church, and those of you online, we've gathered together because we have a desire to do that. We have chosen to engage the Word of God this morning, uh, whether in person or online. We've made the decision to listen to a sermon from the Word of God, and we chose to do this. We're, we weren't forced to do this. Uh, no one twisted our arm, at least I hope not. Maybe, maybe your wife did, I don't know. But uh, nobody put a gun to your head that I know of. Uh, no, we love Jesus, and that, that, that's why we're here. But here's the question I have to face as a pastor, and here's something I'd like you to ask yourself. If, if this is all that we do, this one 30-minute message on a Sunday morning, I have this feeling that it's not likely to be enough. At best, you're going to get a 30-minute sermon this morning. Most of us watch many hours of TV or have multiple hours of social media every single day. And to be honest with you, some of what we're watching is eclipsing the light. If a dutiful listening to a sermon each week is all that we do, it's not likely going to be enough. And, I, and I'm pretty sure that most believers don't get much more than their 30 minutes or maybe an hour. Some of us maybe do the daily reading. I, I don't know if everybody is. It seems like something is slipping a little bit, and I want to encourage us. How do I know this? Well, as I've studied our attendance figures, 
I realize that the pandemic has taken a real toll on people's engagement with others. Uh, the fear factor is really real in many people's lives. But I want you to know something. The promises of God are a more sure word of prophecy. I am shocked at how much trust people put in organizations like the WHO or our own Ministry of Health who have notoriously been corrupted and mismanaged. If their policies are questioned, the threat of cancellation or being labeled as a threat to others in the society are hung over the heads of those who would dare to ask questions. Now, as conflicting reports begin to surface around the efficacy of vaccines and uh, as the safety of vaccines is being questioned and now even be told that these are experimental vaccines. If you have, and then what happens if you've had COVID and you develop a natural immunity and as such should not vaccinate yourself. In fact, the reports are coming out that, hey, if you've had it, don't get a vaccine because it's messing with your own uh, immune system. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it can get really confusing. You see, the CDC and Dr. Fauci are being exposed for covering up the fact that the pandemic was man-made and it was, uh, in fact, was perpetuated against mankind. And without some anchor as a source of light, constantly combating the misinformation, I'm concerned that the average believer is going to lose heart and slip into an apathy that will keep them from being victorious in Jesus. I'm also concerned that the constant barrage of information and misinformation will overwhelm the light of the good news of Christ. And as is often seen with the scriptures, it either falls on rocky ground and the devil steals it away or it falls on shallow ground, springing up quickly and is scorched by the persecution of the age and withers, unable to produce the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Or it is choked out by the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust for other things. Even in the good soil, there are degrees of productivity, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. If I, if I look at our cell numbers in the church, and we have a great church for cells. I mean, we are amazing as a church. But there's a large number of people who say that they're involved, but our actual attendance, either online or in person, is way down. As I have compared our church statistics with other churches around the world, I think that we're better off than the average church. But this doesn't comfort me as a pastor. Because I know that the enemy of best is good, good enough. What our statistics tell me is that between 70 and 80% of those who attend Celebration Churches International have made up their mind that half an hour is enough Bible for their week. That's not a relationship. That's becoming religion. Now, I know some of you have good excuses. And I'm sure if I were to listen to you, you'd tell me all the reasons why you just can't read your Bible, why you just, you know, and, and I'm not going to argue with you. But what about the rest of you? <laughs> you know, when I was in Bible college, we were required to attend the 11 o'clock daily uh, main uh, chapel. Now, although attendance was mandatory, nobody took attendance, so... I, along with many of my friends, made excuses as to why we didn't need to attend. Um, it is not that we 
didn't go, but I missed as much as I attended. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh, and my, my logic, uh, the way I figured was that, hey, I receive enough Bible all week. All my classes are Bible. I'm going to Bible school, for goodness sake. Why do I need another chapel? And uh, why do I need one more bite of that apple? Uh, and I literally took pride in the fact that I really didn't need all of that. But looking back and uh, thinking about it, I realized that uh, I made a mistake. Not only did I miss out on meeting some of the greatest leaders of our day who preached at our Bible college, but I missed out on learning from their experiences and their insights into the scripture. And most importantly, I missed out on being involved in a deeper worship than I got for an hour of Sunday morning worship at one of the local churches in our neighborhood. I'm concerned at how entropy begins to set in. Where there was once a deep love for the scriptures, where there was a hunger for fellowship and the gathering together with other saints, it seems as though the scripture is becoming more and more uh, true of this generation, where Mark uh, 4.19 says, And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things, enter in, choking the word, and it becomes unfruitful. You know, I remember getting together with people, and uh, we, we would just get together to have a Bible study. We, 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 when we get together, we all had our Bibles, and we'd just say, Hey, let's see what the word says. Let's get around the word. What does the word say? Well, let me tell you something. Those were, those were heady days. Those were powerful days. Today, it seems like, you know, we get together and, you know, we have good fellowship. We talk to each other, we, but, but, but there's no light. There's no life. I, I want to encourage us, you know, when you gather together, bring the word to God, of God to bear in your life. Bring the word of God to bear in your marriage, in your family, in your uh, relationships. You know, it is the light of the world. It is life. Luke 8 and verse 14 says it this way. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. See, I, I think that God wants us to look at our fruit these days unto perfection. What has happened to spontaneous Bible study. Where has it gone to? Like I said, there were days when we would gather together and we would just never, we'd never think twice about just stopping and saying, let's, let's just pray for a few minutes. You know, sometimes, sometimes we'd pray all night. Uh, are you and I, are, are those of us who are light bearers, reaching out to those around us as just mere natural people? Or are we using every opportunity to shine the light of the gospel into the dark world? You know, if, if, if you settle for only a portion of what you could get from God's word, then you may miss out on learning something about Jesus that you seriously needed to know. Uh, I think of a story that I, I heard, and I'm going to try to relate it to you. Uh, it says a teacher... Uh, told one of his Sunday school classes that she was teaching. Uh, she'd given them homework the week before, and they were to read Isaiah chapter 9. The teacher asked the class how many had remembered to read the chapter. Every hand went up. 
They had all read the chapter. Wonderful, she thought. We can have a great discussion. So she asked, do you remember the first verse? Silence. While a few of the youngsters paged furiously through their Bibles trying to find Isaiah, she says, okay, I'll give you a little bit of help. The people who walked in darkness, still no answer. Then she says, okay, I have a candy bar for the first one who can complete the verse. Instantly, she was besieged by answers. The people who walked in darkness used less electricity. No. Stubbed their toes a lot. No. Spend most of their time sleeping. No. They're usually burglars. No. Could really use a flashlight. No. Then about that time, finally, somebody found Isaiah 9 and just read it. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. It goes on to say in verses 6 and 7, it says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and we will be called, he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end forever. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Whew, powerful verse of Scripture. Let me close with this idea. You see, the Bible is God's light to lead us somewhere. The Bible leads us to a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and equips us to live as closely to him as possible. So this week, as we close out this session on piercing the darkness, I'm imploring you to grab every single opportunity you can to get a hold of the word. In fact, some of you have to rediscipline yourselves. You've become either lazy or you've become complacent or you've just been worn down, or, or, or you've become unbelieving. But I'm asking you to turn back to the Word of God. I'm asking you to turn to the Scriptures. I'm asking you to let the light of the glorious Gospel shine unto you, that you might be saved, that you might have a word instant in season, that you might have a word on your lips for somebody else, and that you would take every opportunity to not only receive light, but be light. Some of you are listening to this message and you have been touched by it. You realize that, man, how easy it is to slip, to slip from the uh, intensity of the Word of God to the light of the Scriptures is no longer permeating your life. And uh, I always like to try to help people make a choice, to make a decision, to move off the bubble, to say, I'm going to do something about the way I view myself, I view my life. But I know that that can only happen with the help of the Holy Spirit. So today I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to pray for every one of us under the sound of my voice and ask that God would help us. Father, help us to come back to a first love. Help us to come back to a, a passion for the life of your word, a passion for the light of your word. Let the word of God pierce the darkness of our own hearts, pierce the darkness of the world we live in. And Father, may we Lean not to our own understanding, but acknowledge you in all of our ways and see that you direct our steps. Father, we refuse to be under the whip of the fear of this world, the fear of 
misinformation and disinformation. We refuse to just be taken captive by the philosophies, the vain philosophies of this world. And Father, so we ask that you would guide us and direct us, that you would give us insight, information, wisdom, but most of all, that you would illuminate your word to us. For the entrance of your word gives life. Father, we know this, that when we have your word full in our hearts, the scale is removed from our eyes. We're able to see clearly. We're able to see the glorious gospel. We're able to see you the way you really are. Father, forgive us for being religious. Forgive us for doing church. Father, church will never do it for us. We want a relationship with you and with your son Jesus and with the word of God. Create that hunger in us today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that you were blessed and that God will continue to transform your life in this season. If you have a testimony or need prayer and counseling, please send a WhatsApp or a call me to plus 263-784-303900 or plus 263-717-459999. We want to hear from you and we're here for you and are ready to listen to you, to pray for you and to celebrate with you. So thank you. We love you and stay safe.